Well, man, I don't know about you. I need a jean jacket. You know what I'm saying? If I want to be cool, I'm going to be a jean jacket. Go out and uh, download that album. Share with some friends. It's a great, great album. I don't know if you know this. Uh, I don't know if you know Bill Shiflett. Bill Shiflett came up to us last week and said, we need to take up an offering for the band because they all have holes in their jeans. And uh, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Well, according to Amazon, the most looked up highlighted phrase of any book of all time comes from the second volume of the Hunger Games series. And it's this, because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. Sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. This week, the Surgeon General issued a health emergency for our kids across the country. The emotionally debilitating effects of anxiety and depression are now a health emergency. And the thing is, the Bible has the answer for this. Because this is so, such a deep problem, we know it's such a problem, not just for kids, but for adults. I wanted to move our Isaiah series that we're currently in. We're going to move that. We're going to do that later on. And today I want to talk about hope over anxiety, that the Bible actually has a plan that actually helps people with anxiety. So if you struggle with anxiety, this is for you. If you get into anxious situations, this is for you. If you live with someone or know someone, or you have someone that's in your life that you're responsible for, you need to be able to share this with them. Philippians chapter four, the apostle Paul says this, do not be anxious about anything. And that's a command. It's a command. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things continually, it says. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, or have seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. First thing I want you to notice, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. And why is it a command? Because God wants us to have peace instead of anxiety. Now, even my atheist friends will admit that human beings struggle with anxiety. They will call it a leftover of our hunter-gatherer phase and call it our, that's the origin of our fight or flight response. The problem is today, we're not running from bears or lions, but we're running from actually bigger threats, larger existential threats, health, finances, worrying about our kids, worrying about our relationships. There are all kinds of things that are attacking us. And so the promise of scripture is this. You can be free from anxiety. I am promising you that what is in here is not a bunch of bull crap. 
that's thrown around in a sermon and you forget about it. I am telling you, the plan that I'm going to share here today actually works and actually has removed anxiety from my life. Now, I want you to raise your hand if you have ever, have ever felt anxious at any point in your life. Raise your hand, look around. I want you to go ahead and raise your hand if you've ever had a panic attack before. Okay? Now, raise your hand for those of us who have had panic attacks. Raise your hand if you think it would be wonderful if there would be a button that we could push and attach it to someone and watch them have a panic attack. (laughs) That would be a great invention. Now, um, there are three things the scripture uh, talks about, and I want to get into this. So please, if you can, if you can pull out your phone, don't write on it, don't go on social media, but you can record this stuff or you'll get anxious that will happen. But I want, I want you to write this stuff down. So the first thing that the Bible says to do with anxiety is to interrupt it and name it. That when we're feeling anxious, the first thing we have to do is say, I am feeling anxious because. And then you list it out. The first thing we do is we name it. I am feeling anxious. And the important thing at that point is you make two lists. Here are all the things that I can control about this situation. Give me an example that someone is feeling anxious about right now. Work, right? So your, your company has got acquired and you don't know what's going to happen. And the supply chain mess has worked all out. Okay, so work, you're losing your job. What are the things that you can control? You can clearly communicate with your employer. You can fire up your resume. You can start looking. These are things that you can control. What are the things that you can't control? Whether or not you will get a new job, what that will pay, the um, effects that it's going to have on your family, the way that we start worrying with anxiety that in 2022, we are going to be living like cavemen along the perky omen because we're going to become financially destitute. All those worries, you're going to give those over to God. You're going to name it. The Upward Spiral is a book uh, written by Alex Korb. Where it's a, it's a researcher from UCLA where he said, appropriately titled, putting feelings into words, participants viewed pictures of people with emotional facial expressions. They did a study where they showed students emotional facial expressions. Predictably, they said, each participant's amygdala activated to the emotions in the picture. In other words, if it was a happy picture, they had a response to that in the brainwaves. Feeling a sense of happiness. If it was sadness, sadness. But when they asked the person to name what that emotion was, oh, they are feeling sad, they are feeling happy, they are feeling anxious, they are feeling depressed, what it did is the ventrolateral prefrontal cortex, say that five times real fast, activated and reduced, it, reduced the emotional amygdala activity. In other words, the very act of simply naming what that emotion is lowers the actual anxiety that you're feeling. This is nothing other than what scripture teaches. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the Spirit of God has give, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. For those of us who are disciples of Jesus, we do not get converted and become Christians that automatically have self-disciplined minds, we have to teach ourselves mental self-discipline. 
One of the people I love to follow on Instagram is Dr. Daniel Amen. He is a Christian psychiatrist. Uh, I love his books. Um, I, I'm just a huge fan of his. Um, he is a friend of Rick Warren's. And he, he's just a really, really good guy. So I would I encourage you to follow Dr. Or Doc Amen on Instagram. Dr. Amen talks about automatic negative thoughts that most of us at some point in life have been broken. For some of us, we have been broken early in childhood and the automatic negative thought loop started then. For others of us, we were broken in middle school. Basically, if you survived middle school, you were broken at some point. Some of us were broken in high school. Some of us were broken as adults. But the one thing that we all have in common is that we have all been broken. And as a result of that, we have started at times to have a loop in our head of what he calls automatic negative thoughts, ants. And our responsibility as disciples of Jesus is to name it and to do whatever else I'm about to say. Now, the second thing that scripture says after we have named anxiety is that God tells us to ask, we want to ask God to lift this anxiety from us. We want to pray that God will take this anxiety away. And please listen, for those of you who think this is going to be some stupid bullcrap sermon with religious platitudes, give me a second. The first thing that we do is we name the anxiety. The second thing we do is we say, God, here's what I can control and all this other stuff, that's you. So sort of, I'm delegating that to you and I want you to handle this for me. I can't fix this thing at work. Here are the things that I can do, but I can't fix it. I can't fix the response. I can't fix the, the market response. I can't do any of these things. So you're going to have to do this. The Bible tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Peter says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I love what Dr. Stanley Jones says. I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, by my being is gasping for breath. These are not my native air. But in faith and confidence, I breathe freely. These are my native air. A John Hopkins doctor says, we do not know why it is that worriers die sooner than the non-worriers, but that is a fact. But I, who am simple of mind, think I know. We are inwardly constructed in nerve and tissue, brain, cell, and soul for faith and not fear. If you go see Dr. Amen, he'll do a brain scan. And he will confirm what the scripture is teaching here. He will show parts of your brain that are feeling, all these aspects of your brain that's feeling anxious. Oh, this will be PSD, PSTD. Uh, this will be depression. Uh, and, and, and the fact of the matter is, our bodies were not meant to live with anxiety. So what I want to do is I want you to write down five things. Trust me, write these down. I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five. And these are the five things we're to do. Number one, we are to interrupt anxiety. Okay, 
Number two, we are to pray for it. Please write these down so that you can sit down with your kids. You can sit down with other people. So this is what the scripture teaches. Number three, if you are feeling anxious, we know that we are to change our lifestyle. The rest of these, I'm going to tell you what Dr. Amon says. If you're feeling anxious, interrupt your anxiety, pray for your anxiety. But number three, you need to make a lifestyle change. And these are the four things that Dr. Amon says we're to eliminate in our lives. Number one, sugar. Sugar is a terrible thing that 300 years ago, no human beings were dealing with. Sugar, no human being. Sugar, gluten, dairy, because dairy is uh, an inflammatory uh, thing in our body. And number four, caffeine. So basically, there's nothing left to eat. All right? There's nothing left. All right? Um, sugar, gluten, dairy, caffeine. And the, and the fifth thing is that we're to exercise five or six times a week, two times for strength training, four times for cardio, 45 minutes each time. He says, when you're struggling with anxiety, you have to realize is that your brain is a part of your physical body. And when you are constantly shooting glucose in there, and there's this, the insulin spikes and bringing it down and, and all of these things that are happening. Also, the inflammatory thing for a lot of people will be gluten, it will be dairy, and sorry, wawa. And so the thing is, do you want to drink coffee or do you want to deal with your anxiety? When I was in graduate school, I started having panic attacks. And I, no one at the time was talking about this. But I was drinking four cups of coffee a day. Now, understand, my wife doesn't get this because she will say, I need a cup. And no, honey, that's 24 ounces. That's three cups. But I would drink actual four cups a day. And I didn't realize the caffeine was connected to my anxiety. So, so pr number one, interrupt. Number two, pray. Number three, lifestyle change with what we eat and exercise. And then number four, counseling. I don't know what it is in our culture. Still, there's this thing where people are resistant to counseling. I'm going to go first. How many people have been to counseling? Look, raise your hand. Now look around. Now, the people who, no, leave them up. The people whose hands aren't up, these are the messed up people in our church. <laughs> I just want to say that. <laughs> What's going on? I loved counseling. What great counselors do is, from a Christian perspective, is nothing more than cognitive behavioral therapy. What they will do is they will train you. We go, if you want to improve your golf swing, you go to a golf coach. If you want to improve your speed and training in our area, people spend all kinds of money helping their kids becoming the next Olympic athlete with all of these trainers. But the same thing happens with our mind. We have to, so what, a, a, good, a good psychologist, and I'll be Freudian, like, 
Oh, lay down on this couch. What is this picture? Oh, oh, this is a cigar. Oh, you think it's a cigar? No, it's not a cigar, right? All of these weird things with counseling. That's not what counselors do. We have a great counselor at our church. What great counselors at our church is, hey, as much as you're willing at this time, tell me about your story. What's really, um, what, what, give me your story. And then what are the automatic negative thoughts that are in your mind? And then he or she will interrupt those negative thoughts and say, how did that happen? Let's sort of find the source of that. And now let's replace this with the truth from God's word. And now we're going to begin to practice and we're going to learn tools and coping mechanisms to change that cognitive behavior. It's absolutely amazing. If our, we have a great counselor. Go to ccvlive.com, hit counseling, and, and sign up there. It's fantastic. I have enjoyed it. And I've, I've, and I've grown immensely from the wise counsel of people and from times I can sit down and say, hey, help me process this. Where's my thinking going wrong? Where am I getting um, derailed here? Number five, medication. God answers our prayers sometimes by taking away our anxiety, but sometimes God answers our prayers by giving us medication. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you are on medication for, for your heart, your thyroid, different parts of your body? You will take medication. But I don't know what it is with Christians. Your brain is a part of your body. And if you need medication, go get medication after you've tried these things first. Interrupting your thoughts. Praying. Changing your lifestyle. And then going to counseling. I will go first. Raise your hand if you've tried anxiety medication. Now look around. These are the, pe- these are the other people we should be worried about, right? I'm not telling you to go on medication. But what I'm telling you is there have been times where I have gone through seasons and I'm like, I went to my doctor and I said, I am not going to make it through this season without really being debilitated. And he said, well, let's try this low level thing for a season. And you know what? I went to hell. I was a terrible Christian. God judged me. None of that happened. You know what happened? I felt better. You deserve to feel better. You deserve that. As a child of God. And if counseling hasn't worked. Lifestyle changes haven't worked. You and your brain. Are susceptible to low levels of anxiety. So go take medicine. And feel better. Now here's the last thing. Even after you take medicine. Number six. This is the next thing. Fill our minds with scripture. We're to meditate on God's word. The very first passage of scripture I memorized was Psalm chapter one. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Basically, it doesn't get advice from stupid people. Blessed is the, is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners Or sit in the seat of mockers. 
But that person's delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he or she meditates day and night. What we do is we meditate all the time, except we are doing it with our screens. How much time, I want you to lean over to the person next to you, and I want you to give them a rough estimate of how much time you spend on your phone. Okay, go ahead. Let's get the rough estimate. All right. We're going to get to the bottom of this. How many of you, your thing is you just can't stop checking email? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, it's social media? For me, you're not going to hold this against me, right? My guilty pleasure is to go on TikTok and to watch videos of Dr. Pill Popper. Pimple Popper. <laughs> you seen these videos? Have you seen these? Raise your hand, Dr. Pimple Popper. You're like, oh, come here. Look at this blackhead and it's shooting up on the roof. I'm like, oh yeah, show me another one. Let's keep scrolling. I don't know what is wrong with me, but I love Dr. Pimple Popper. Anyway. So, um... The thing is, is that we know, we know what happens with blue light from our phones. We know at the very least we ought not be looking at our phones within an hour of going to bed because we know scientifically that it disrupts our sleep. We know long periods of time on social media will make girls particularly in high school suicidal. We know that the data is there and the social media companies know it and they don't want to acknowledge it. It is real. And so the question that I have for you, are you spending an equal amount of time? Let's say you're spending two hours a day on your phone. Are you spending two hours of of your day meditating on God's word and God's truth? I mean, what happens is that when we are on our phones all the time and when we are anxious all the time, it becomes catastrophizing. So a um, weird thing happens. So if you're a pastor of a, of a larger church, um, crooks basically have realized if they can go and impersonate the pastor, then what they can do is they can ask for money from people. So I'm on Instagram, for instance. I am Pastor Brian Jones. I'm at Pastor Brian Jones. And what crooks have done in the past is they have, just like other large church pastors around the country, is that they've gone and created accounts like Pastor Dot Brian Jones. And they'll go and follow people. People will follow them back. And this is a fake person. And what they'll do is they'll go and they'll ask for money. So we have a whole system now where they get identified. We go to the police. I mean, it's a whole thing. But just recently, a couple weeks ago, well, we got a call from a lady that um, was catfished. You know what catfished is? It's, uh, it's when someone will have an online persona and they'll begin dating someone 
Um, and typically what they'll do is then they'll, they'll ask for money. And um, evidently, uh, there are people out there that are using my picture to catfish people. <laughs> true. It's true. We confirmed it with the FBI. They're using my photo. And at first, I thought to myself, I've still got it. <laughs> huh? I've still got it. Until I realized that the woman that had called had been catfished out of $40,000. I was devastated. The FBI's involved. Oh, it's just terrible. So we called her. We apologized. And we feel so sorry. If there's anything that we can do, the FBI's involved. Our police are involved. I feel so, so sorry. But you know what I did? 98% of the time, I am at peace percent of the time, I occasionally will get triggered and the joys of uncontrolled anxiety will take over. For the next three days, I lost sleep. In my mind, I'm thinking, who else is using my photo out there? Who else is getting hurt? And like, until my kids were 18, I never posted them on social media. What if they get pictures of my, like, oh, it's just, it creeped me out that someone was violating me by taking my picture and doing that. And for three days, I couldn't sleep. I'm sitting there of all of the awful things that are happening. And oh, it was so in the night. And then basically in the fourth morning, I got up and said, stop. What can I control? Call the police. FBI is involved. We will have my assistant put warnings out there. This, this is what I control. What I can't control is God finding those people and judging them. And fixing this issue. I can't control that. And as soon as I did that, I stopped catastrophizing. I stopped working myself up. I named it. I prayed about it. God, I give this to you. And I felt better. Mark Twain said, I've lived through some terrible things in my life. Some of which actually happened. Now, when it comes to meditating, there are Terrible, terrible Christian apps out there. I, I, I've tried them. They're not very good. I have on my phone an app called Headspace. It's non-religious. Dr. Amen said in one of his studies, he found that a person that meditates for 20 minutes a day using guided meditation, whatever it is, for 20 minutes a day for eight weeks, it will have the exact same effect on their brain as being on anti-anxiety medication. And who knew for 3,000 years, God was like, I've been saying this all along, people. Meditate, like read through the Bible. Meditate, 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 meditate. And so meditation is huge. The goal then, I just want to reiterate, the goal is what I was going to talk about this week. It's peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says, he will be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. That's what God wants for us. And I I promise you, I, I know because it works. The Bible says in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, go and teach them how to obey. And I'm telling you, this actually works. I want to leave you with this. 
At first, I saw God as my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong so as to know whether or not I merited heaven or hell when I died. He was out there sort of like the president. I recognized this picture when I saw it, but I really didn't know him. But later on, when I met Christ, it seemed that life was rather like a bike ride. It was more like a tandem bike. And I noticed that Christ was in the back helping me to pedal. And I don't know how it was that he suggested that we change places. He in the front, me in the back. But life has never been the same since. When I had control, I knew the way it was rather boring, actually unpredictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts, up mountains, through rocky places, breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on. And even though it looked like madness, He just kept screaming with a smile on his face. Just hold on. Just keep pedaling. Come on. And I was worried and anxious. And I asked, where are you taking me? And he laughed and didn't answer. And that's when I learned I was going to have to trust him. And I forgot my boring life and every adventure I planned. And when I'd say I was scared, he'd lean back and just touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing, acceptance, and joy. He gave me gifts to take on the journey. And off we went again. And he would say, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage. They're too much weight. Give them away. And so I did to people we met. And I found that in giving, I received. And the journey continued. And our burden was light. I did not trust him at first to take control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it. But he knew bike secrets. He knew how to take those sharp turns, how to how to jump to clear high rocks and do the things I never could have done if I were in control. And I am learning just to be quiet and pedal now in the strangest of places. I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze with my delightful companion. And when I'm not sure I can do it anymore, he just smiles and turns around and says, just pedal, my friend, just keep pedaling. After our service today, we're going to have a baptism service. I'm going to be baptizing people. And the starting point of all of this, not just with anxiety, but just with life, is saying, God, okay, you're in control. And we express that through baptism. And so if you haven't done that yet, we would encourage you to come and watch. And uh, if you'd like to join us, we have t-shirts and shorts and towels. You can just stay. And you can be baptized today and you can start that journey of peace. The Bible promises it and you can have it. Let's pray. We thank you, God, for all throughout scripture, all of these things that science keeps discovering, you have been saying all along. And so, God, we we can trust you in that. We can trust you with our souls, with our lives, with our eternities. You promise us, God, that when we make you our leader, that you give us a new heart and your spirit comes and lives inside of us to basically take the bad and turn it to good, to make us whole again. And so I pray for the hearts of people that are here who are ready to make that decision, but they're apprehensive. I get that. We just pray that you would continue to work in their minds and hearts, drawing them closer to you. And we thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.